0: What I've learned over these first few episodes is that it seems that at one point in your career, you're going to find an opportunity where all your skills come together. Your skills will intertwine into a calling or opportunity that can't be ignored. For Nanette Friedman, her calling came when she decided to start Friedman Strategies, her own consulting company to help nonprofits of all sizes. From her early days as an entrepreneur to her pro bono law work, Nanette's career steps may seem disjointed at first, but ultimately built the foundation for Freedman Strategies. Today, we go a little more in-depth to learn one of the winding ways to ultimately starting your own business. I'm Alex Klufus, and this is Modern Working Women, the podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Alex Klufus, and welcome back to Modern Working Women. This week, my guest is Nanette Friedman. She is the founder of Friedman Strategies, a consulting firm that helps mission-driven organizations and people excel. Nanette, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. What a great topic, and
2: I'm just so delighted to be talking with you.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be chatting with you, especially as someone who has a lot of experience you know running their own business since 2005. I'm really excited to hear a little bit about that perspective later on. But first, um, can you give the listeners just you know a little bit of background about yourself, where you've worked, kind of like a, and your name, et cetera, et etc?
2: Absolutely. So, my name is Nanette Friedman. I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. Actually, I think we originally were connected because went to Lincoln School uh, in Providence. And uh, I started working really early. I was a very popular babysitter in Providence and really seriously had my own babysitting cards uh, for my business early on. So, I've been entrepreneurial for, since a young age. Um, I worked through college. I always had summer jobs so I am definitely someone that always enjoyed um, learning new things working earning my own money uh, and and was always like very driven in that way. I had a very uh, wonderful experience at Tufts University, where I went undergrad, graduated, and got a job as um, a grassroots organizer and fundraiser in Washington, D.C. for an advocacy organization. I uh, also decided to get a master's in public policy in D.C. Uh, and, and lived there a total of five years, because I decided to stay in D.C. to go to law school at Georgetown. Um, and then I graduated from law school and took a job in a large Boston firm where I joined their uh, corporate practice uh, and was also lucky enough to be very involved in their pro bono practice as well. And uh, so I've had a varied career and I basically took a pause uh, when my first child was born. And that's when I, you know, took some time off, became a professional volunteer, as I like to say, and uh, reinvented myself and found my own business uh, soon thereafter. So that's kind of the, the long, short version of how we got here, but I've been doing this work, uh, you know, as you mentioned, since 2005, 2006, and uh, I just love every single day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously, you know, that's a, a great summary of kind of where you've been, um, but going back to, you know, being an undergraduate student, what did you think your career was going to entail, you know, right when you were graduating from um, from Tufts?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I uh, graduated from Tufts, I was very interested in public service and politics. And I think at one point I had an AOL account, if we remember when everyone had AOL email accounts, um, that said uh, NAN20. I think. Or na- no, it said man 2020. And I think that the idea of that, which is actually kind of funny, uh, the idea of that was like, I was like, well, I'll probably be ready to run by then. So it's funny as we're now standing uh, right before 2020 and to see what I thought I was going to do and where I am. Um, so I obviously didn't go into uh, politics as an elected official, but I certainly am involved in politics uh, behind the scenes supporting candidates and uh, being involved in, in different different campaigns and causes. So I I didn't fulfill it as a career, but I certainly still have that piece in my life. And I think that's an important uh, point for your listeners is that, you know, we all are weaving tapestries for ourselves. Some things you do professionally, some things you do as a volunteer, some things you do as your hobbies, but you doesn't mean you have to eliminate interest. It means you have to weave them into your tapestry.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of I guess at what point did you decide that maybe, you know, becoming an elected official wasn't on your path, but, you know, switching into the nonprofit sector kind of was?
2: Yeah, you know, I had always been involved in nonprofits. Um, Even, you know, growing up, I remember, I think I was like the student representative to a board. And then in college, I was the college representative to the board of trustees. And so I always was interested and knowledgeable um, about this kind of sector, if you will, and uh, intrigued by the idea of the state at trusting that people are doing public good, right? So giving them kind of that responsibility and then individuals volunteering to govern uh, and raise their own money and, and really make such an impact. So I think I've always been intrigued by the notion of the nonprofit sector and, you know, had exposure early on, I think what really did it for me is uh, both as a lawyer doing pro bono legal work for a lot of nonprofits and as a volunteer, when I took a pause in my own career, I really just found my alignment and I think that is one of the keys is that you go through this period in your life where you acquire a lot of skills and experiences and then something just feels really right and you just feel total alignment if you're lucky. And that's really what happened uh, for me in the nonprofit space. I just felt like this is the work I'm supposed to be doing. These are the people that I want to be working with. I love the variety and I actually love you know, to tie back together the opportunity to work in the nonprofit space as an entrepreneur.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's so exciting. So your first job out of college that was in uh, the nonprofit sector? or Was that something else?
2: Yes, it was for a nonprofit doing grassroots advocacy and uh, fundraising in D.C., that was my first job. Um, And I was there for two years. And then I also did my master's kind of at night. It was like a four to nine at Georgetown program. So that was a full load, uh, you know, managing a full-time job and that, but it was really exciting time uh, to be engaged. And I, you know, I had been a volunteer before, but I hadn't worked in a nonprofit before.
1: Yeah. So what were the, you know, early days of actually working at a nonprofit like for you, as opposed to, you know, being a volunteer and kind of helping with the like day to day, um, you know, functionality of the nonprofit? Like, what was it like more in the administration?
2: Yeah, well, you know, one of the things about working in nonprofit is that you really have to be sort of a jack of all trades. Um, You know, everyone, there's a lot of work to be done. And, you know, often nonprofits are not uh, staffed as fully as they would like to be, or maybe should be to kind of do the work that they're trying to achieve. So, you know, it's really that can-do attitude uh, that I think is so, um, you know, inspiring. Uh, So I found that when I worked nonprofit, my colleagues and I, you know, we worked incredibly long hours, we were doing all sorts of uh, funny things, uh, like from, you know, standing at Staples or Kinko's at 11 o'clock at night, you know, uh, to kind of standing outside the hill handing out flyers in the day, this was like emerging email time, Um, you know, and you think, wait, is this what I'm doing? And then you say, yeah, I'm doing this because this is what I need to do to kind of bring awareness to my issue and my program and the things that I care about. So that that kind of lesson from a workforce point of view was really valuable, that no matter what your job title is, you know, my I think my, my job title was grassroots organizer. Um, But, you know, it's kind of like the old funny thing that people put in and all other duties as assigned. I mean, that's really what nonprofit work was. It was all other duties as assigned. And, uh, you know, it was there were really great parts where you felt you were involved in helping volunteers find their voice and use their voice for change and for things they cared about. And there were, there were other times when you're standing, like I said, at, you know, midnight at Staples or Kinko's when you're like, wait, what? And so, you know, just that kind of dichotomy of of what your work day was like. Um, I, I think that, you know, for me, I found it exhilarating. And I also, you know, got a really strong work ethic um, from that and a real sense of, how all the details matter. Uh, And I learned a ton about engaging people uh, from volunteers, from professionals, from people who were staffers on the Hill, people who were, uh, you know, senators and and Congress people, and how we all together have to work to make an impact and a change. So lots of lessons learned.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were learning how to kind of get by and from so many different people and like so many different types of people who have different, you know, different stakes in the, in whatever's going on. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And how you really have to be nimble and flexible and those lessons of having, you know, no ego and just getting the job done. And those lessons of being nimble and flexible and, you know, learning how to work with different groups of people, they've served me, I think really well, but I think they'd serve anyone well, um, you know, in, in thinking about whatever career comes next.
1: Yeah. So you also mentioned that at the same time you were doing your master's degree um, and then ultimately you did get a law degree. What made you decide to go back to school, but back to school twice? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, You know, having
2: studied political science and I was always interested in policy, I decided to do a master's in public policy uh, because i was really interested in the substantive not just politics as the sport but the substance right uh, why are do people go into politics cuz they want to hopefully change lives for people well what are those policies whether it's healthcare or you know economics or criminal justice what are the you know how do we analyze and understand those from a quantitative point of view so Um, I knew I wanted that in my arsenal, so to speak, and I wanted that depth of understanding. I also was really lucky um, that I had been selected as a Harry S. Truman scholar, um, which is a a really generous scholarship that uh, is given to uh, students who are Rising seniors, and for people who are interested in, you know, the public issues, uh, if you will, and going into um, fields related to those, uh, I had been awarded a scholarship, so I, I really had like the luxury, if you will, of studying and learning for learning sake because I, because I got that scholarship. So that was that decision of why, why policy school. Um, and then later the decision to go to law school, you know, when you live in DC, uh, literally everyone's a lawyer. So it felt like a really essential tool in my tool belt. Um, whether I was going to stay a lawyer or not, you know, with the trajectory that I was thinking about, whether At that point, it was politics or policy or nonprofit. Felt like if I was staying in D.C. or I wanted to kind of be a player, that was pretty important uh, background to have.
1: Yeah, kind of you're like trying to fit in with everyone else who's there. Yeah, I mean, it
2: was a funny. I mean, look, I had thought about it before. I'd certainly thought about going to law school before I got to D.C. I come from a family with lots of lawyers, um, you know, and that was certainly something that I had uh, thought about, but it also... You know, as a woman thinking about my career long term, you know, I think at that point, like I wanted to have the right credentials to open as many doors as possible and the credibility to do that. And, you know, the combination of having a policy degree and a law degree, um, given the areas I was interested in, really seemed to be um, a good investment in myself.
1: Mm hmm. So, after law school, um, what was you know what were your early days as a lawyer like? Did you end up going working somewhere? I know you mentioned pro bono work at some point. Yeah, so I ended
2: up being recruited by a large firm that has offices all over the world now. At that point, it was um, a large Boston firm with a D.C. office. Um, and, you know, ironically, you know, being open, uh, I ended up being a, a corporate lawyer for a while with them and doing securities work, uh, which certainly wasn't something I envisioned. Uh, but it was really a lot of fun and really important to round out my own education, right? Because I understood the nonprofit space, I understood policy, I understood law, you know, but I didn't really understand corporations. And I didn't really understand uh, the private finance world. And I didn't really understand public finance world. So um, it really was a great opportunity to, to learn that piece, uh, such a driver, of course, in our economy, and such an important employer, and uh, really to work with smart great people. And the firm uh, had a very uh, full pro bono practice, so young lawyers like myself at the time could volunteer um, a time to help nonprofits or individuals who needed legal representation. So that was that was amazing to kind of get both the education in uh, the corporate sector uh, through the law and also to have opportunity to uh, continue to work with nonprofits and individuals who need representation
1: wow that's that's amazing that's like you got to you were able to hit like um you know kill two birds with one stone by having the opportunity to learn this entirely new skill set um, something so different from you know public policy public sector and then also still being able to help people that's really impressive you know and I feel
2: so grateful right because I think often we We are kind of, we pick something and we have to kind of feel, or we feel, we have to stay in that lane, right? So I guess I've had a whole career defined by, you know, not necessarily staying in my lane, but always bringing back the knowledge that I learned by stepping out back to the core things that that I want to work on. Because if you think about, you know, solving some of the biggest challenges that we have as a country, that we have as a world, they really require partnership across the different sectors. So for me, at this point in my career, what I'm really looking at is how do we have an impact by engaging all the sectors. So when I'm working with nonprofits, they're working in partnership with corporations and the government to address the core issue that they're trying to solve. And, uh, you know, my background, in some ways, has been almost, you know, ideal for that, because I understand and can talk the language and find my way around in the different sectors. So that's it's been a real, um, you know,
1: something I'm very grateful for. That's that's amazing. It's like it's like kind of that you can speak the language of everyone you're like a translator between you know different industries almost yeah and it's actually interesting because you know we we really
2: don't realize uh culturally right what the the culture and the vernacular and the drivers are they're different in the different sectors and the people that are attracted to them uh often are different and i think being able to weave and move between them. I do think that is a a real value add. uh, When we're talking, when I'm helping a client think about how to attract more corporate partnerships, you know, Helping a client write a grant for for some local or state or federal funding. When I'm helping a client think about their strategy for who should be on their board, you know, I'm really a systems thinker, and um, having had these vast experiences uh, across sectors, I think has has helped foster that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. It's kind of like helped weave like where you ultimately are today. Like you said at the beginning. Um you mentioned also earlier a little bit changing tracks um that you also at one point became a stay-at-home mom, you know, you had to make that choice of um having children at some point. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Sure. So, um I was really lucky that I moved back to Boston and kind of met my husband, uh, right away. After law, after I was in law school, I met my husband and my now husband. Um, and you know, life was running along and we got married and, uh, We got pregnant, and I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out this work-life. At the time, we called it work-life balance. Now we call it work-life integration. We don't use balance anymore. We use integration. Um, But at the time, I was going to figure it out, and I was thinking a lot about whether I'd come back to my firm part-time or I'd come back you know, full-time and how that was going to look. And then, you know, you can only plan so many things. And then our son was born very premature. Um, so he kind of said, I'm going to take over from here. Uh, so I'll, I'll you don't have to plan anymore. I'll, uh, I'll show you where we're going to go. So I actually, um, you know, felt that given the circumstances, that the best thing to do was to take a break, take a full pause and to focus on him because kids that are born premature, I'm very blessed and thankful. That he's great. He's a rising eleventh grader who's away at a college prep program for the summer. Totally healthy, poo poo poo, um, and happy. Um, but you know, at the time, that was it was scary, and there was a lot of uh, you know early intervention and speech therapy and occupational therapy and physical therapy and weight checks and all the things that go along with anyone that's been on the preemie journey. Um, and so I felt like I needed to dedicate myself uh, to that. So it was actually a decision that was made for me um, by the circumstances. I just, you know, followed, listened to myself. And I felt fortunate that we could do that financially um, because a lot of people, you know, I, I spoke to a lot of preemie moms who said, oh, that's so great that you can do that. And I was always very um, Conscious of that fortune. Um, And I got to stay home with him. And then I was itching to go back to work. And uh, I was pregnant with my daughter. So I decided, okay, well, I'll stay home uh, and and we'll see how having two kids goes before I make a final decision about what we're doing. And uh, my daughter was born and she came home and slept through the night, uh, which was a kind of funny thing. I had to wake her to feed her, which kind of seems ironic. Um, And uh, I looked at my husband and I said, I'm ready. And he said, great. What do you want to do? And so I went to the places that I had been volunteering for. Um, I had been volunteering on several boards as board members, committee members, um, doing some pro bono work. And I said, listen, I just want to let you know, I'm going to go back to work. And they all said, oh, okay. When are you thinking? And I said, I'm not sure. What are you going to do? I'm not exactly sure. I started having conversations with my old firm and other people. And uh, all the places I was volunteering for came back to me a few days later and each one of them offered me a job and so that's actually how this all happened is that I I thought wow that's so interesting I could work for all of them and I came home and talked about it with my husband and he said great you'll be a consultant and uh that's how Freeman, that's how Freeman Strategies was born
1: oh my gosh the origin stories yes <laughs> uh, right yeah. wow that's that's a really interesting story in terms of like how you you I guess and also your husband was able to provide some input of of starting your own company because it's almost as if you realized that there was a need that all these organizations had that you were able to offer and like the the outcome of creating your own company, you're able to help all of them at the same time. Yeah, I mean, that that's what was really attractive to me
2: is that I cared deeply about all of them, and all of the projects sounded good to me. Um, and so and they were all things, none of them were full time. So they were all things that could be done either by project or for some you know time. So together they were exactly what I was looking for. But I have to say that it hadn't really crossed my mind uh, to start my own business. It wasn't the direction I was doing all these kind of informational coffees with people about their firms and their careers and talking to a lot of women who had stepped out of law that had stepped back in in different capacities. I thought about being a pro bono coordinator. I thought about being a business development person. I thought about, you know, going to a nonprofit. I thought about getting a government job. I mean, I thought about all these things and kind of had a list of all these people I was reaching out to to talk about their roles. And uh, when he kind of said, "We'll just start your own business, I kind of, it was so attractive because it really offered me the control uh, that I felt that our family needed because my husband also at the time traveled a lot for his job. So I, it really was a win-win. Uh, and I have loved, you know, every minute, not just of the work and the clients and the missions, but of learning how to be a businesswoman.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um so now you're obviously a consultant, your own firm. Um but consulting is kind of like a a word that some people don't really know exactly what a consultant does. Can you talk a little bit more about like what your day-to-day work actually consists of?
2: Sure. So there are no two days that are exactly alike, which is what I love about it. Um so look, I work uh I I am very much an organizational development person. I don't believe you can fix governance or fundraising or staff issues or, you know, leadership issues or do planning in a vacuum. You have to look across the organization and they all they all affect and impact and work together. So, you know, at its core, I am uh, an organizational development strategist and coach. You know, I do a lot of speaking and training. Um, and one of the things for me as a consultant has really resisted, um, you know, society today and the workplace today, people want to know in a soundbite, well, what do you, what's your expertise? What exactly do you do? You know tell me what are you, what are you the best about about everybody, and in many ways you know if I had to say the one thing where i've really zoned in on it 's been governance, and that 's been the area where I would say um you know if i if i 'm forced to say of all the things that I do what's your your core area of expertise I would say governance i've written two books about it, uh, one for board members and one for board chairs. I do um, a lot of coaching and training and consulting around uh, governance for nonprofit organizations whether people want to study um, if they have the right structures do they have the right policies how do they how do they engage their volunteers better how do they make better use of uh, their volunteers for their fundraising how do they train them and leverage their connections and networks um, so that's definitely uh, a sweet spot. But the best thing for me about consulting is that I get calls from people all the time, uh, you know, saying, well, we loved what you did with us on X, Y, or Z. Could you come back and talk to us about this other uh, need that we have? And for me, that's really been how my practice has grown. I'm really proud to have many of the same clients um, for, you know, 10 plus years, 12 plus years, some of them, Um, obviously not working with me consistently. You know, they go away, we do a project, we do some coaching work, they go away, they come back, they have the next project. And uh, that's been amazing. So my practice is, you know, working with organizations of all sizes. I have startup nonprofits to internationally established nonprofits with $100 million plus budgets. Um, I like the breadth and the scope of having uh, that variation. I think I bring learning from the large to the small and from the small to the large. I work with um, a lot in education and healthcare, uh, religious and communal organizations. I do a lot of work um, uh, with in education at the after-school space and private schools, day schools, um, helping people uh, who are engaged in umbrella organizations to raise money, uh, you know, And really varied list. If you go to my website, freemanstrategies.com, and you look at my uh, client list, you know, you everything. I'm going to be with a battered women's shelter. um, And then I'm going to be, you know, working with an artist association. And then I'm going to be at a private school. And then I'm going to be at a Jewish federation and like, you know, everywhere in between. So uh, I like that breath. I like the diversification of client and size and also what I do, because I think, you know, this, this essence of translating across sectors. I like that role of bringing knowledge across and really um, helping people figure out where to focus their energies to kind of move the needle. And that's at the core what I, I think I help people do is bring my experience to bear on the current situation they have to help them with the tools and the training and the coaching and the support and the strategy to kind of move their own needle from where they are to where they
1: want to go. So wow, you've been in this business for you know over ten years now, maybe twelve fifteen um and you started it from the ground up almost. Can you tell me a little some of like the hurdles that you hit you know starting your own business or and some advice you'd give someone else who's looking to maybe start their own business in some way? absolutely, so I laugh that I
2: started my own business um and I was going around talking to people about the importance of their websites and the importance of you know, being visible. And when I first started my business, you know, I don't think I had a website for like two years. So, you know, it was kind of like the, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Um, so one of the things that I would say, you know, there's a real tension between having everything buttoned down and before you start and just kind of starting and then catching up with yourself. And I, I really struggled between that, you know, how much do I have to have perfectly buttoned down before I, you know, announce to the world that I'm doing this and how much can I, you know, fly the plane and fix it, so to speak, uh, at the same time. So I think starting a business is constantly that, um, you, you are never 100% ready. Uh, uh, I had the clients before I had the business. So I actually started the business to serve the clients. So I was a little, a little out of sequence there. But my advice to people is, you know, um, don't let perfection be the enemy of good. Is that what the right quote is or something like that? Um, basically at some point, you know, you can't wait to everything is buttoned down and perfect and ready to go. You have to start doing the work. And, you, you know, you can always have a better website, you can always have more MailChimp, uh, you know, subscribers, you can always write another blog, you can always, you know, do more marketing or PR, you can always refine your message, but you need the work to, to really um, lead. And that's been my advice is that my business is 100% uh, personal referral. Either people know me, they've worked with me, they've heard me speak, they've seen me. It's very rare that people find me on the internet. So um, I've let my work speak for itself and working with me speak for itself. And I think uh, for people thinking about starting a business, you know, that. That is really the advice I would give is that just kind of go do it and then you'll catch up with yourself. Uh, You know, you don't have to have it perfect out of the gate in terms of all the trimmings that go with having your own business.
1: I've almost learned that a lot in like my first year or so working in like the real world that, you know, you kind of run with an idea and fill all the gaps in later of just like how you're going to execute it and stuff, but you get people, you know, very excited about what you're, what you're up to in those types of Absolutely. things. Absolutely.
2: And you know, the other thing that I always say, especially to women is you have to learn how to tell your own story of your own successes and your own things that you're proud of in a way that you're both comfortable and conveys the confidence and the excitement for what you do, right? Because I think one of the things about, um, and again, it's not all women, Some and there's some men as well, but in my experience, I mean, I have a women's group that I meet with um, of people, uh, different, different sectors, and we talk about this a lot, is that you have to be your own advocate. You have to be proud of the work you're doing and willing to talk about that work and your successes. And by the way, also own up to the things that aren't, uh, you know, such a success and learn from those failures in a way that's open and honest. And I think that's something that, um, you know, really has served uh, me well and something I try to do with young women and young men and people who are starting out is learning how to tell your own story um, and, and not be afraid to kind of learn the art of the humble brag uh, because people want to work with people who are confident and people want to work with people, you know, who can deliver on that confidence, but you know, who feel good about what they're doing and excite them and you want to work with them. And I think too often we minimize our accomplishments. And I see it all the time when people apologize or minimize or don't take, you know, credit. And, and that's just for me, a a real missed opportunity, um, you know, for people in their own, in their own business, whether it's your own career by the way, or your own actual business, same advice
1: holds. Um, And now I have just like my final question. I ask all of my guests, Um, but you already gave us a lot of really great advice, but what advice would you give to your younger self?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think part of my challenge as a young person was that I had so many things that I wanted to do that I was always worried about getting to the next thing. And so I guess the advice I would give to my younger self is it's great to be ambitious. It's great to have a big bucket list of things to do. Um, don't, don't ever change that. But enjoy what you're doing in the moment, even if you're also planning for the next thing.
0: Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Well, Nanette, thank you so much for joining me this week.
2: Thank you. It's so great. Like I said, that you're doing this. I love talking about all of this. And if any of your listeners, you know, want to continue the conversation, I am always uh, excited to talk to people about, you know being a modern working woman and uh what that entails so happy for this venue and happy to continue the conversation
0: thank you once again to nanette friedman for joining me today don't forget to rate and review us on apple podcasts once again i'm alex lufus thanks for joining us